0: Hello FCCMA podcast listeners, this is episode number 119 with Dr. Brenda Fetro. Brenda is the city manager of the city of Rockledge, which is right in the middle of Brevard County. You know, when you meet somebody and you just go, I really like this person. Um, I really like Dr. Brenda Fetro. She's wicked smart. And she helps walk through some quick things with us. Uh, one, how to be a good mentor, uh, how to utilize a CRA, in their case, a micro CRA, which I never really had heard about. And then how to serve as a middleman between your constituents, your staff, and the council uh, really good interview. We, we kept it kind of short. I'm trying to get these things down below 45 minutes to be more respectful of your time because I was, I was told I was drifting into the hour territory. So we kind of move a little bit more rapidly through this one, and I hope you like that format. Greetings, I'm Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host, and each episode we interview a city or county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government here in the Sunshine State. Now, if you have someone you would like to nominate as a guest, you can send me an email at svancor at or you can message FCCMA on Facebook. Today, we take you to Brevard County, the East Coast, the Space Coast of Florida. I love the fact that the area code is 321. <laughs> that was not an accident. Uh, our our next our guest today is Dr. We're going to talk about that in a second. Dr. Brenda Fretro, who's the city manager of Rockledge, which is, uh, Brenda, it's right in the middle of Brevard, right? You're,
1: it is yeah, directly in the middle of Brevard County.
0: And Brevard, to me, is like Florida's Texas. When you're driving up 95, you get into Brevard County. He's like, I'm in Brevard County. I'm almost to Jacksonville if you're coming from South Florida. And then like a month later, you're still in Brevard County. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is 72 miles long. <laughs> it's 16 municipalities. So it is very, very long.
0: How wide is it?
1: Um, Probably 20 to 25 miles wide. Not very wide.
0: We yeah, that to, includes the, uh, the intercoastal, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. when you take that out, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty narrow strip of land. Well, Brenda, how how is it somebody with a, uh, uh, you have a lot of education, you have an EDD, right? You have a, a doctorate of education. Yes. How did you go from that to local government?
1: Well, I had worked for about 20 years at what used to be called Brevard Community College here on the Space Coast. Now it's Eastern Florida State College. So I was a president of a campus. Uh, for many years, and then a college-wide vice president. And so as president of the COCO campus, I worked very closely with that municipality and got to know that city manager well. And when he was uh, looking at retirement, um, we had conversations about if the council uh, was agreeable, he would bring me in as uh, deputy city manager and trained me up. And and when he was ready to retire, then I would become city manager.
0: And yeah, I mean, being a president of a small campus, it's like being a city manager. I mean, it's got to be a lot of the same challenges, right?
1: Absolutely. I, and I, you said it very well. It's it's all of the same issues. You have facility issues, personnel issues, just the operational issues. It's just like running your own little city. So it transferred nicely. And, and thankfully that council, uh, when he did decide to retire, went ahead and chose me.
0: You know my my experience at academia, and I love I, I'm I'm an adjunct at Florida State. I multiple degrees there. Um, it's very bureaucratic and very slow moving. Cities seem to be, by necessity, a lot more nimble and a lot uh, uh, they move quicker on making decisions and getting things done. Has that been your experience too? Or...
1: It has been, Steve. I would agree completely, particularly on the budget side, because things would take uh, quite a while to get things accomplished. And here, the city, and we operate very lean here in the city of Rockledge. But uh, obviously, it, it things happen very quickly in city government.
0: Were you were you like uh, excited about moving to a city versus a, a college, or was it something that yeah, I don't know? What, what, what was that transition like?
1: It it actually worked out very nicely. It was very smooth. Again, that having a college family, as I called it, work family was wonderful. But we also have a city family here in Brevard County. And it was a very nice transition to to have this new city related work family. I've just enjoyed it tremendously.
0: And was the idea when you got moved over to deputy city manager that you would then matriculate up to be city manager, which you did, right? You became city manager of Cocoa. Not to be confused with Cocoa Beach.
1: Nope. Correct. On the mainland.
0: And make There's a little mistake. town that that little <laughs> town
1: is smaller than Rockledge. But, uh, yes.
0: I do know that when you make the mistake of, of conflating Cocoa and Cocoa Beach to people who live in Brevard County, they get they roll their eyes at you so loudly you can hear them. <laughs> yes, they
1: do. <laughs> so, How did you
0: come to Rockledge?
1: Uh, well, the, the longtime city manager here uh, of over 30 years, uh, he was, of course, announced his retirement. And they had a nationwide search, and I went through the search process uh, with this city, and and luckily was uh, selected for the job.
0: How well? How long ago was that?
1: I'm in my seventh year.
0: So, you know, I, you know, if anybody who's a regular listener to the podcast knows I, I, I recoil when I hear the nationwide search, but I love when the nationwide search gets somebody right down the road or somebody yeah. in house um, because. To me, Florida has so much good talent, uh, and you have somebody who knows the area, knows the particulars of the area. I mean, like you said, you have sixteen municipalities. The camaraderie with the other fifteen city managers, the work product that comes from the collaborative effort. I think of like Volusia County, which is similarly situated. I think it has seventeen municipalities there. The city managers work so well together. The mayors have their own group. Broward has a league of cities of its own. You know. There's so much value in bringing in somebody who knows the area already. When bringing somebody down from Pennsylvania or Ohio or Iowa, it just doesn't really seem to work uh, well. And I like the fact that they pick somebody from right next door.
1: Interestingly enough, Steve, that to your point, um, I started in December of 2016. So I was just, uh, what, nine months on the job and Hurricane Irma hit Florida. So had they selected... Remember it well. Yes. There were uh, two of the five finalists were out of state, one Pennsylvania, one Ohio. And thankfully for our city. Wait, wait, uh, really? Didn't I? Do, I <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's true. And had they been here, not that they couldn't have managed, but I think it would have been a very steep learning curve to deal with oh, the yeah. hurricane in their first year of service.
0: Oh, yeah. They were like, what's, wait, what's this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, So uh, we talked about on the preview, uh, uh, a couple of areas that your specialty, I want to start with um, your compassionate and passionate, I should say, about mentoring, Uh, mentoring your employees, helping them grow and develop um, within the ranks, which I guess is a good segue to the national search versus uh, bringing somebody from within. Tell me a little bit about your spirit and your thoughts about uh, mentoring and why it's so important. To, for the success of a city, to have a good mentor program.
1: Well, I just think it assists the city in transition and succession planning is, I think, critically important. Um, but I've I've been in the business a little while, and not that I know everything, but you know, as we talked earlier, you have some experiences that are are I think good to share with colleagues who are up and comers, and and you want to prepare them to have the next generation of leadership to be ready to go whenever, whenever that time comes.
0: And what do you do? How do you implement, you know, cause it's, everybody will say, Oh yeah, that's great. Mentoring and helping young kids along and not necessarily kids, but younger folks in the profession along. What, do, what are the steps you take to help make that happen?
1: Well, it's, it's a variety of things. I um, definitely carve out time. Uh, for those who are newer, if you will, in their role, particularly as a director. So it's situational. I assess their strengths and weaknesses, but I do uh, intentionally carve out time and spend with them. Uh, I generally see each of them every day, but not in a formal manner, uh, just a conversation or two. But uh, I generally spend about an hour a week with this one particular director who's just uh, over a year in his role. And just to make sure he knows uh, we can discuss anything. Uh, It's our private time. It's a safe space. He can ask anything he wants. And I think it is working well to build up his confidence. And he feels the support and, frankly, has said it out loud. So I, I think it is very helpful.
0: We interviewed a gentleman named Sam Silverstein who talked about living your values. It's one thing to set goals and blah blah blah, and having the values. You know, if you look at all the things we say our values are, if you value mentorship, you have to then dedicate yourself to the time to do so. Like if you say my value is I want everybody in great physical condition, so that means you have to set aside an hour, two, three hours a week to let people be in physical condition. If you value family values, you say, yes, we're going to let you take off extra time to be with your children. But um, in your case, it's mentoring. So you're taking time out of what has to be a very busy job because when you're a city manager, whether it's a small city or big city or in between city, it, it, the work is never ending, right? So That's you're true. setting aside uh directed time with this person and these people to say i value you i value this mentorship and you have a safe space you can come talk and uh and and learn from me as your boss and bounce ideas off i like that because if nothing else it's just showing that person you do care and you're setting aside that time and i'm sure there's people banging down your door while you're having these meetings right (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's never never a calm quiet day it's always very busy
0: do you have any like general philosophies about mentoring that you would want to share and, and talk about in terms of how what you've learned from being a mentor, that some strengths and weaknesses some positives some negatives
1: i i would say that i feel it's almost my job to do that to have the next group ready Whenever I retire, I hope council has me for several more years, at least. But uh, if not, we know that uh, city managers uh, can be here today and gone tomorrow in some cities. But I think if the doors, if I was to leave today, I'd like to say that this director's group could carry on without me. And I i truly believe that's my job is to have everyone that prepared that they can carry on if I was not here.
0: Build, build yourself into obsolescence. Absolutely. What is a what is a mentoring meeting look like for for you?
1: I try to keep it open. I let the director start and ask him what he has to discuss. I don't. I try not to be as prescriptive, if you will, because it's in my mind it's his meeting. It's what his goals are, what his concerns are, or topics he wishes to discuss. Um, if he has little or or not too many items, I. I'll, I'll fill it in and we'll talk about a few things. Um, I think uh, the employee issues so far have been one that he's sought help for because he had not supervised people before. And as we all know, that can be a challenge and And you don't want to make a misstep or it can result in litigation or or other problems. So you just want to be careful of whatever actions the employer takes.
0: But it has but intentionality seems to be the the takeaway there. You have to put time into it and be focused on it. You can't just keep putting it off. You know, it's funny when you say you sit and you listen, um, and you were in academia, you know, when you're on the other side as a student, you think you're in the learning mode, but you realize when you're the teacher, you're probably more learning more as a teacher than you are as a student. And I would imagine that that time you're taking to listen to one of your directors, one of your staff, come in, uh, ask questions and, and inquire about things. You're actually probably doing as much learning as you are teaching at that point. yeah, absolutely. It makes you makes you a better a better manager. Um, so I want to I want to shift gears for you a little bit. Um, you guys have had some pretty success, good success with uh, Rockledge had some blighted areas um and you you use the CRA process to help clean those up. Tell me a little bit about the history of those and how you guys did that. What are are some takeaways, some mistakes, good things you did, bad things you did, and what what we can learn from that?
1: Yeah, the city had three main areas. Uh, All three, as a matter of fact, were uh, big box kind of shopping center areas. Um, One was owned by a trust. Uh, The other, honestly, was an old Kmart. I was going to say, was it
0: an old Kmart? (laughs)
1: Yeah, the the one was an old Kmart. And then the other one uh, that is just now being developed was an old Sears. So big properties, literally falling down structures, blighted. Um, It it took some time and deliberate activities or discussions, I guess I'd say, with the private property owners trying to bring together potential buyers developers with the the owners uh, and of course being in the cra uh, you know those uh, it, they're not major incentives but it was enough that it incentivized the conversation and with the relaxed parking regulations setbacks and the like um, it, it seemed to help and so all three uh, two of the three are already developed uh, one has a thriving thrifty specialty meat and produce shop with a few other shops in that one. Uh, The second one has... uh, This sounds like a micro
0: CRA. It sounds very, very small.
1: We have four sub-districts in our, quote, CRA. So there are, um, along US 1 is one of our major corridors, of course, that's one sub-district. And then a street called Barton Boulevard is another sub-district. Um, and then there are two other streets, main streets in the city that are what, what are called these sub districts. So, um, the Barton Boulevard had two of the three properties and then the U S one had the third property that was blighted.
0: Are you, um, did you have to go out and so you set the CRA up, did you have to go out and shop, uh, vendors to come in? Did you, did you guys put together like a task force to go out and find, try to find people or once you built it? Or were you already having like inquiries? How did did that process work?
1: Again, I, I, we operate pretty lean. So my planning director also oversees our CRA for me. So he and I, it it was just him and me. uh, We met with developers and and met with others to have the conversation and talk about what could be done there, how the CRA uh, rather minimally, but still could assist with those developments. And uh, it, thank goodness, it just worked out to where they uh, purchased the properties, developed it. We tried to be as flexible as we could within our zoning and the like. And and now here we are with uh, well, apartments going in and two of the three.
0: What I like, what, what, I, what I'm hearing, it's not just the economic stuff that the city, you know, because you look at what are the tools in the city's tool chest for economic development? In your case, economic redevelopment, Right. And one is that the, the the added tax revenue stays in to do community improvements, et cetera. That's kind of the basic blocking and tackling of a CRA. But you, you kind of said it and skipped over it, though, but you loosened, you, know, you changed some of the zoning, you changed, you uh, loosened up some of the parking requirements, which can be really onerous if you're building. Were there any other things you were doing to incentivize them to, to come in?
1: I, the only thing that I can maybe add to that is I recall them over time. Not that it's about me, but them saying that that we were, my planning director and I were just so business friendly, um, and thankfully they were just highly complimentary to the council and just appreciated our uh, direct working relationship. Uh, again, the, some of the things offered in the CRA seemed to incentivize them. The the rezoning to RMU helped a great deal. So I think just. Being there, being present, being accessible, not being the uh, uh, blocking or, you know, impediment for these developers and these businesses. I'm not saying take away all the rules, but you got to be business friendly and try to expedite things and and help them along.
0: Well, you know, because there's there's certain areas of the state um, where. People are banging down the doors to get in. And in those cases, uh, let me give you a really interesting example. Coconut Creek, we had Sheila Rose, the uh, director of planning, and people were literally banging down the doors to get in. So they set a clear goal what they wanted in their community. They wanted all the sidewalks to be wavy because it's you kind know, of the creek, butterfly capital of the world, self described. And they wanted lots of trees, lots of park space, lots of lots of land to contrast some of the other areas in Broward County. And because those people were banging down the doors, they were able to say, "Well, hold on a second. If you're going to come here, here's the here's the things we need from you." It sounds to me, and this is, I think, an object lesson for city managers. You got to be flexible, you know. And in your case, you know, a, a Kmart goes bankrupt, a Books a Million closes, a, a Albertsons closes, a Sears closes. And if nobody's knocking down the door and we have this situation in Leon County right now uh, with our old uh, parts of Governor Square Mall or our old Tallahassee Mall, we're not having people banging down the doors. And so maybe our city hadn't been as flexible enough to encourage people to come in uh, for whatever reason and do what you guys have done, which is we're not putting up the stop sign or the slow sign. We're we're putting up the welcome sign. It sounds like that's what you guys did and work hand in hand in glove with the developer.
1: That's That certainly was our intention. That's what I got feedback on. So, yes, I would say that is what we did.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and so two of the three are done and built out, and the final one is now working?
1: The final one is now demoed, and uh, they're going to go vertical probably in the next 30 to 60 days.
0: Oh, how cool is that? I know. You know uh, one of the challenges with CRAs is, is obviously having a good working relationship with the county, um, did you expire the CRAs? Are they, are they the ones that have worked? Are they are they still going? Or
1: We have the one overall CRA, as I said, with the four sub-districts. But okay. ours, actually, our council has decided that ours will sunset on September 30th of 2026. So it was in play for, for 25 years, and we believe that it has done its job. So it will, in fact, sunset.
0: Boy, I wish you guys could come to Tallahassee and tell some of the lawmakers up here that because they think these things get set up and they go in perpetuity and then people walk around trying to find new projects to do with that extra money. But of course, then the County would be like, wait a second, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd create tension with the County right at that point, because the money doesn't go into GR.
1: Yep. Yeah. I think both the County and the city will be happy when it does sunset and they can keep their respective monies in their general funds.
0: And so uh, one, one last, one last subject. Um, and I think this goes to your higher education that you said when you when you have issues, you like to study them intensely, um, digest them both from the public, from your staff, before bringing them to the council. I saw that you as kind of like an educated middleman, as it were. Um, tell us a little bit about your approach and process for doing that and how that works.
1: Yeah, I, I take it very, very seriously on thoroughly knowing the items that I'm presenting to council, but not to the point of micromanaging, because that is what I have my director's group for. They're the experts or the SMEs, as I call them, um, the subject matter experts. And but I need to know enough that I can intelligently explain it to any of my council people should they have questions and or the public. If the public comes and has additional questions, I think it's my job to know enough about the topic to be able to explain it away and or answer their question. I don't I just enjoy reading everything and learning things uh, about whatever is coming before council. Um so I I pride myself on uh, trying to be educated about the various topics.
0: Have you always been that way?
1: I have been. I <laughs> probably to a fault, <laughs> but I have been
0: and go back to Smeez. It sounds like a character out of a Dr. Seuss subject <laughs> matter expert. I've never heard that expression. And do you regularly call your staff Smeez?
1: Well, um, it <laughs> is known around here only because we're close to the Kennedy Space Center. That's in the space world. What they call subject matter experts, SMEs. Um, So it's a it's an uh, acronym here that is kind of well known around the county.
0: And and so. How how does that work in terms of, you know, so you're spending a lot of time mentoring, you're having spending a lot of time reading all this stuff. When do you get it? When do you get a chance to do your job? Every day, all day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it is very, very interesting and exciting to me. No day is the same, whether it's uh, union negotiations, budgets, uh, worker comp cases, you know, you know, the drill, it's, it's just all over the map, personnel matters, all of that.
0: You're, how big is how big is rockledge
1: we are 28,870 people a little over 11 square miles
0: and how big is your staff 200
1: and about 250 252
0: yeah so you're MPD. a good i mean above mid-sized city for florida standards so you yeah. have quite a quite a large built out uh, operation do you ever i mean is it a challenge to go ahead and find you know it's that balancing act, right? Between doing and knowing. And it sounds to me like when you're saying, because each time you've said this, yeah, I don't want to micromanage, but you kind of like want a micro knowledge. You want to know what's going on, but let allow them to do their jobs as as they were. How do you balance that?
1: Um, I think we have a good balance here in that they the directors group also um, don't want me to be blindsided. So they we kind of have this you know, got your back attitude where we, because I try to inform them if anything is going to come up in their respective area at a council meeting. So we all kind of uh, don't have any major surprises and the same with council. I try not to let them have any major surprises either.
0: So keep keeping them informed, being, being the intermediary between the two. Um, I got, I said that was going to be the last time I got one more. You guys won a statewide award for your a fire station. Tell me a little bit about that and the best practices.
1: Yeah, it it was very exciting. A couple of things that I've been able to oversee building here since I've been here is our fire station 36, which is, we have three fire stations. So it was one of three. It was a very old and 19, I want to say 68 building. And you can imagine uh, the problems with that type of a facility. And uh, we had a local architect and a local construction company and really had a great team of all of us. My uh, director and some firefighters, uh, of course, were kind of on our committee, and uh, I took their feedback and how they wanted it designed, and it turned out beautifully, Uh, made it into the state fire magazine or whatever, so it was very
0: cool. So when you said you got best practices, what what were some of the practices that you guys got awarded for for doing? Was it the operations of the firehouse? or Was it a transition from old to new? What what was the things that you got you got the award from?
1: Probably the the old to new. It's kind of a state of the art. Um, it's just beautiful. Uh, I, I don't know now that it's such a unique thing, but we have the separate bunk rooms because most fired agencies have men and women firefighters. Uh, so we transit transition to that um, in our bay. We put a beautiful wood ceiling with wood beams, and it's just gorgeous. Um, so again, it was just I think the design of it and the uh, just the colors and all of the uh, amenities. It just uh, they just loved it. So uh, our citizens are very proud of it.
0: They they love their fire station in Rockledge. Yep. And they and they love, uh, does it ever get old? I mean, you guys are literally, you can walk out your back door on any given night, it seems like, and see a, a, a rocket launch of some sort. Does that ever get old?
1: It does not. It, we are actually the oldest city in Brevard County, and I will tell you, we love our rocket launches. Uh, its They're going at a pretty fast pace now uh, mm-hmm. with the Space Force here and Kennedy Space Center and so forth. But there's probably a couple a week, and I think we had one last night at about eleven forty or eleven fifty p.m. So it it's still very exciting.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember when they they were ground they grounded the shuttle, um, and I thought, oh boy, this is the end of the rocket liftoffs and and out of Florida, and it was almost exactly the opposite. They have just taken off like crazy.
1: Yeah, our EDC has done a fine job, as well as the chambers and the cities. We've all worked hard to diversify our industries. Of course, we're strong in the space, of course, but there's a lot of other industry and businesses here in Brevard County. And uh, thankfully, we're just growing at a robust rate.
0: Well, let me ask you a question about that, because I have this pet peeve. You know, people talk about it in the Capitol. Hey, we need to diversify. I'm like, well, if you're Jackson, Wyoming, and you've got the Grand Tetons right there and all of the industry that and all the tourism that that brings, why diversify so let me ask you, why why should the Space Coast not, like, just continue to double and triple down on, you know, space education, the space forces there, space law, uh, space tourism, uh, space-based everything? Why not go deeper on space-related stuff and really own that as opposed to trying to be and, and own into something else? Help, help me understand. I mean— Obviously you got beautiful beaches, but you why sure? not own in on, on, on space?
1: Honestly, I would think that we will continue to do that. However, I don't think anyone here ever thought the shuttle program would end and, but it did. And so we hope and pray the the space program will never end. It'll continue to be robust, but what if it does? What if something does change, um, we just believe as a county, we need to be kind of prepared for that. Same with tourism. Who would think tourism would have had a downturn? Well, then COVID hit and yeah. the country pretty much shut down and, and tourism almost ceased to exist perhaps for a couple of years. So we all hope that none of that ever happens again, but, you know, we just try to diversify and, and be ready and and have other industry and businesses just in case.
0: You know, somebody, I I have all the NASA apps on my phone, and whenever the ISS comes over, unless it's before 6 a.m. in the morning, I'll run outside to see it. I can't imagine. I've only seen like two rocket liftoffs in my life. One was in Cocoa. We were at, a, I think it was an FCCMA conference, actually, last year. I got to watch a daylight liftoff. I've twice been over to the island to see a nighttime liftoff, and twice it was canceled. One time we had VAP tickets too. It would have been really cool. They said, you're going to you're gonna smell the exhaust. I don't know if that was true, but I uh, <laughs> was excited about it. And they canceled it at the last second. And said, you're welcome to come back at 5 a.m. Because that's when we're going to... And I said, no, good. <laughs> Probably <laughs> should have done it. Uh, before I let you go, tell us something cool about Rockledge we don't know. You already hit us with the space and and the oldest city. But what what else? is? Give me something else cool about Rockledge.
1: I would say it's a great... Place to visit Um, we pride ourselves on um, preserve the past and plan for the future so anywhere you go in Rockledge it's still very very family oriented you'll know people when you go to a restaurant where you go anywhere in Rockledge and I we pride ourselves on the service to our citizens uh, and I I think they appreciate that we just are a very kind of hometown city uh, but but grow
0: you know, my first time ever to Rockledge, and this will age all my gray hairs. Uh, a young fella named was running for the state house of representatives, you not know, by the name of Bill Posey. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yep.
0: And I he worked was a former
1: this, councilman, as you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Worked on his he was a councilman yeah. at the time. Worked on his first campaign. Uh, really good old guy, and now oh, yeah. he's an old guy just like me. Uh, ben, <laughs> De, ben DeFretro, the um, uh, city manager of Rockledge. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Really thank you
1: very it. much. It's been an honor and a privilege.
0: Folks, this is Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. Now, if you have a question you would like to submit or a future guest you'd like to suggest, send me an email at svancore at com. Thank you so much for being with us.